This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your hosts, Senior Financial Advisors, Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of the McClelland Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing cash solutions. Mike, in a recent podcast, we talked about those who were cheering for rising interest rates. And I thought today it might be interesting to explore some of the advantages to rising interest rates and how investors can take advantage of them. We've seen interest rates go up by over 4% over the last year, year and a half. And uh, there are some benefits to that. So, Yeah. When you take over older uh, people's fund management and their bank accounts, it's funny. You'll find a lot of the seniors have multiple, multiple bank accounts. And you try to find a reason for that. And it never made sense to us because for the last 10 years, every bank account paid somewhere around zero. <laughs> like if you had a checking account, a savings account, no matter what you had, you weren't really getting any interest. It was is sort of the cost structured for transactions that you're looking for different types of accounts. But back in like our parents' time, there used to be a big difference between a savings account and a checking account. And I remember when my mom saw, sat me down in the 80s and showed me her savings account, which was again, I think at that time, eight or 10%. So you wanna make sure you had your money, again, the good money in your savings account and your checking account was just used for the transactions. And you'd always be moving money back and forth between the two. And that sort of fell apart over the years as interest rates dropped. But all of a sudden, turns out we have to start paying attention again, don't we? We do. It's interesting you mentioned that. I still remember going to the bank and you'd hand them your your bank book. You had the little bank book and you'd give it to them and 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 the interest would start showing up. Some of your withdrawals and deposits, but also all the interest. They'd be a line for each new month of interest that would come through in the account. That doesn't happen anymore. It's all digital now. But Let's talk about some of those cash solutions. And, you know, the first two that you talked about were, you know, a a savings account or a checking account. We would also have term deposits, GICs, money market funds, high interest savings accounts, high interest investment accounts, and even short term bonds would be one of those other options to look at. Why don't we explore some of the basics of each of those and and where an investor might be able to get the highest return for a, a given level of risk? And the risk in this term would be how long are you putting that money away for? So what about the checking account, Mike? What's, what's the advantage of a checking account? It's basically transaction-based. And when you're looking at your checking account, you want to find the cheapest way to have transactions. And there's different types of checking accounts based on your needs. So if you do a lot of transactions a month, you'll probably want one that doesn't have any fees for transactions and gives you an unlimited amount of transactions. If you do very few, sometimes you can pay a lower cost for Checking accounts many times now actually cost you money. You can find ones that uh, don't charge as much and are limited in the amount of transactions you do. But basically, it's just your day-to-day cash needs for living life. Typically, they pay very little interest. If you get anything, you're very lucky. And there will definitely be a restriction as to how many transactions you can do in a month. 
if you're getting any interest. So there's, there's a plus and a minus. Each investor has to look at that. So what would follow closely with a checking account? What might you have as a secondary account with your bank or financial institution? So you can have a savings account. Now, a savings account will pay a little bit more interest than a checking account, but it will have limitations to the amount of transactions you can do. And you'll start to be charged with transactions beyond that amount. So every bank is a little bit different and they send you a fee brochure each year. And usually I find it tends to go up, but that's just my own personal opinion on them. But yeah, there's always cost to having that type of account. And basically what that is to hold money that you don't need in your daily day-to-day transactions. Often a lot of our clients will hold an emergency fund. And for a long time, we actually suggested, you know, even having a line of credit as a backup was a great emergency fund. With those lines of credit at almost 7% interest, that's not as advantageous anymore. Maybe you actually do need some money sitting earning interest. And in a savings account, you might be able to get 2 to 3%, maybe a little bit better depending on the institution. And the nice part about savings account is you can move it within that institution any amount of money on a you know as need be basis. So if you want to move $100,000 from your savings account to your checking account, you can do that. It's an instantaneous transaction. When you start going between institutions, there's a time delay. Let's go to the next one, the next level up. And, and these have been around for a long time. They're mutual funds. Um, and they're Carl money market funds. What are some of the it, what what are some of the characteristics of a, a money market fund? A money market fund is basically buying government government treasury bills, short term government money, and usually double A rated company short term short term bonds. And the nice part about it, it's very liquid, so it's not as liquid as your your uh, savings account that you can move that day over to your checking account. There is a one day transaction period to clear a transaction. So when you redeem it, you don't get the money till it doesn't come into your account the next business day. And then you have to get it to your bank account. So there's a few day lag between when you can actually get your money. Everything's very high quality, very safe. The nice thing about them, they usually have a generally a fixed price. So you usually have a fixed price of let's say $10. It would never go under that $10 mark. And any interest that's earned gets added on top of that. So they'll pay out distributions of any type of interest income in there. I think a couple things to think of there is, one, you can look at past performance, but really it's what is the future for performance? You know, what's the most recent month level of interest and then multiply that by 12 would be a good example. The other thing is look at the fees that they're charging inside the fund. Some of them are going to charge 10 basis points. Some of them are going to charge 25 basis points. So that difference may be an extra 15 basis points in extra return just by going with the lower fee investment. And some have premium money markets available for people with higher amounts of money. And the fee will be lower and you get a little bit more return at the end. The only thing to remind people is that this idea of CDIC insurance. So this is the Canadian Deposit Insurance Corporation. So when you have savings vehicles, this protects an individual for up to $100,000 with a savings with an institution. Now, some things like bank savings accounts do have that covering them. Money markets do not have that, but that does not mean they're not safe. So when you go into the money market, it's based on what it buys. So if they're buying government-based treasury bills, you can consider that as you know as secure as having a CDIC coverage too. So some people get a little bit worried about the CDIC coverage, but if you're buying government treasury bills, 
I'm not as concerned about that. And plus, it means that you can go over that $100,000 mark in a money market fund without worry about not having insurance because the product behind it is based on the bonds they have bought rather than the security institution you're buying it in. So many times we find people go with the smaller banks trying to throw a bunch of money in there because they've offered a high interest rate. And now you're using a smaller bank and you no longer have CDIC coverage over $100,000. So now you've put, you're getting savings rates of interest, but you've added that bank's risk on top of that. So we're lucky we live in Canada. We trust, well, not that we necessarily trust our government, but we trust that treasury bills are going to hold their value. And the same in the U.S. Yep. We would expect the U.S. money market account would, would hold its value as well. Next, we move on to some companies offer what we call high interest savings accounts. What are those? What's attractive about those? What are some of the differences? Well, the one thing with these is many times these are CDIC protected. So they have that $100,000 protection in them in case the firm failed. Again, they act much like a money market because a lot of times the firms are doing that in the background to create these accounts and they have a set interest rate. So uh, with these, with, with when you buy a money market fund, you can't know what you're going to make in the next month, right? You can see the last month and you can take an idea of what they're buying so you can get a bit of an idea of what you can make, but it's not a set out number in stone. These savings accounts for that time period, they say you'll get X amount of interest. And until they change that, you will get X amount of interest on that account. So you get to know what your forward return is, but you don't know for how long that will last. So I think it's interesting to note is as we move up the ladder, we started at checking accounts where you're basically getting no interest. Then you go to savings accounts where you're getting some interest and maybe that's two to 3%. As you move up the ladder, you go to money market accounts, you might get an extra quarter or to half, half a percent interest. As you move to a high interest savings account, Again, you might get a half percent or even a 1% more interest than the regular savings account. So all these alternatives are worth exploring. And as we're doing this podcast, with some of these alternatives, again, up in the 4% range, which is quite good. You know, Not that we suggest people, and it's a different type of thing. We're not suggesting people, we don't believe in cash. We believe in having equities in your portfolio. But if you're going to have cash in your portfolio, there's no point in not being paid off on it. And people want that security. People want emergency funds. And emergency funds, For we've been doing this for a long time. How many times have you seen people use an emergency fund? Very rarely. I mean, we've had people with hundreds of thousand dollars in emergency funds, way more than we think. And it's been sitting there for 25 years and never touched. So the idea of having that emergency fund get, you know, a half percent to 1% when you could begin somewhere in the 4% range of it is just silly not to take advantage of that. It seems to be an old theory that you need this emergency fund to cover three months worth of, of, of income if you lost your job or something like that. The, re the reality is you're right. In, in 30 years, rarely have we had a client dip in or use all of their emergency fund, maybe $10,000 out of it. Yeah. But that's probably the most that we've seen. Anyways, that's just a, an aside. The one thing we haven't done when we're going through this is we haven't locked any of this money up. So this money is all liquid and those rates are, are different because the money is liquid. The minute you start to lock the money up for three months, six months, a year, two years, then you can maybe get a higher level of interest, but you can't touch your money for a while. Yep. So let's move on to the next one, which would be 
something uh, like some of these cash funds that uh, some of the fund companies have created? Yeah, they, they've created these based on uh, government bond yields. So they're buying futures and, and so, some different type of instruments in government bonds so they can produce an expected yield out of these funds. The expected yield is many times a little bit higher than what you get on some of the other cash solutions we have. The only difference is, again, the they do fluctuate a little bit. So it means if you own them for two months or three months, you're generally going to be okay. But if you own them for, let's say, 30 days or 20 days, there could be a situation when you sell it out where it's worth a little bit less than you put in. That's what's interesting. So it has some daily fluctuation, very minor. You know, it's yeah. a half percent to one percent. But once you get over that sort of 30-day mark, that fluctuation tends to disappear. Yeah. Risk and return is related to everything, even in cash. We say cash is risk-free. Cash is not risk-free. There's different types of cash. So you have to look at uh, what risk you're willing to take on the cash side and what your expected yield is going to be. And they're going to be related. The most recent return I looked at on one of those investments is 4.5%, which is pretty attractive today. Yeah. It's still not covering inflation, which came out again today at just a little over 6%. But 4.5% is a heck of a lot better than 0 or 1%, which a lot of investors are, are using. What about short-term bonds? It, would that be something that you would recommend for anyone? Short-term bonds, if you had a ton and ton of money, it might be something that's worth exploring. But the cost of doing the transactions between the buy and sell and the transactions does tend to eat away a bit of the return. And it's a bit, it's transactions, it's not easy to do. But you know, you can go and buy a T-bill if you want, straight to the government and do that. But the problem is T-bills come in large intervals when they're issued from the government. So they get what's called fraction down. So they, they fraction down to amounts that you could afford to buy. And by the time all that fracturing happens, everyone takes their little piece as they fraction them down. So the yield disappears from where it was, was with the government. So if you find a big money market fund, it goes to buy a government bond, it's probably gonna buy a $10, a $10 million T-bill. If you want to buy a $30,000 T-bill, you're certainly not going to get the same rate as them buying it directly. It's better suited to corporations. Yeah. So let me touch on that. Often companies have cash in their accounts. And, you know, our business, we get paid, most of our income comes in four times a year. So we're often sitting with a lot of cash in our business account after we've just been paid. And that cash slowly dwindles down till we get paid again three months later. So before when there, were, there was no interest, it, was, it didn't matter, the cash could just sit there. Now it's almost worth taking some of that money and getting it invested in some of these higher interest bearing vehicles to capture some extra interest. It's all of a sudden something you have to pay attention to now. Because if you don't pay attention, it's gonna cost you money. And we don't want to feed, remember when institutions are have accounts that are really paying you nothing, that's just straight into the profits of those institutions. Like, think about people are very picky on fees, but people have accounts with banks, they're still paying a half percent when they should be getting 4%. And I, I hate to use the term lazy, but just laziness and don't want to move things around. And the laziness used to cost you, you know, a quarter percent or a half percent. Now that laziness has cost you three to three and a half percent. And that's a lot of, to pay for not just taking some action. So one of the things that I think is important is a lot of this you've got to take action on or, or the advisor you're working with needs to take action on your behalf. And I'll use the example of our corporate account, our corporate bank account. I'm not going to name the institution, but we have a lot of cash sitting there. No one has ever called us to say, 
Would you like to invest some of that cash to earn a higher interest? And why aren't they doing that? Well, they're making a lot of money on our cash balance. They're loaning that money out, we know now, at close to 7%. And they're not paying any interest on what's sitting in the account. So they're making a nice profit margin on our cash balance. You see us in the next uh, month or so. We're trying to come up with solutions for, for people. And they'll use all the different options out there. And people can pick whatever option they're, they're comfortable with, fits their needs. But we're hoping to make sure that no one is, just through procrastination, losing that much money on interest income that they should, that belongs to them. Definitely. So, and our, our goal is to say to anyone, if, if you are one of our clients, just contact us and say, you know, I have this much cash and, you know, what should it be doing? And we can take a look for you. In a recent podcast, we talked about uh, that Royal Bank had mentioned that $23 billion had gone on to GICs. This is more about cash solutions, but Mike, you were in that business. Tell us, you know, the, the ups and the pros and cons of GICs. GICs, the rates are reasonably good now, right? The, I've seen people getting close to 5% rates return on GICs, which is nice, but they're locked in. So there's an opportunity cost that's always lost in a GIC. So if you if you want to buy a five-year GIC, you have to sit back for the next five years, no matter what goes on in the economy, and you have no choice and you can't get out of that. So you pay a price in liquidity. And I mean, there are short-term GICs, which again, cash solutions, sometimes a 30-day cash bows, 60-day cash bows. So there's all types of short-term solutions. They won't pay as well. And I find half the time when I look at the rates from those type of solutions, the money market is the better option just because it has more freedom and sometimes even pays more money. Are there any evils with these cash solutions or GICs or things that you should always remember or never forget? It's not to time the market. This is, you know, people say, oh, well, 4% is great. I'm going to move money over to there for 4%. You're going to miss out on a, a bump in the market. So this is not a portfolio solution. This is a cash solution. It's interesting. I was looking, most clients' portfolios in the fourth quarter alone were up anywhere between 55 to 8%. Just to start the year, they're up 35 to 4.5%. So returns can come quickly in, a, in, in, in investment portfolios, and you don't want to miss out on that. I think the other thing to think of is any of these cash solutions or GICs generate interest income, which unfortunately in Canada is taxed at your highest marginal rate. And so you will have to give up some of that nice return in the form of taxes. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. 
However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.